Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Scott Rowland, your newest member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. He will be going in the 2023 class with Fred McGriff, who got in by one of those veterans committees. Just a bunch of Marines voted Fred McGriff in. They're like, yep. That's not, that's not. <laughs> that's our guy. Not, this, not the same. One dog. <laughs> not nope. Watchdog. Nope. Crime dog. Crime, Crime dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> one dog was with Lance Johnson, right? Never fear. One dog is here. Crime dog. Right. That's yeah, good to have fun with names. What was it? The instructional video that gets results. That was McGruff, right? McGruff the crime dog? Uh, It's different from the instructional video. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was Zemanski. That was Zemanski. Thank God people are going to forget what I said. (laughs) Just ask Major League Superstar Fred McGriff. I'm so impressed with the instructional videos by Coach Zemanski that I've given them my full endorsement. I was listening to both of you, and then I conflated what I was saying. Back to back to back AAU national championship teams. McGruff always told us kids, make sure you hit the cutoff, man. Throw behind the runners. Take a bite out of the infield single. And help take a bite out of crime. Yeah. This is such a stupid radio show. Where's Speaks, by the way? You know, your kids can learn to protect themselves against crime at home, at school, on the street. Arm strength, quickness, agility, and body control. The essential elements of the winning defensive baseball player. Learn how to keep your family and your community safe. Know what it takes to stop a crime. Revolutionary training techniques developed by professional scout and instructor Tommy Nansky. Find out more. To order your copy, call toll-free 1-800-544-1000. That's 1-800-544-1000. And help uh, take a bite out of crime. Call now. That dog can sell anything. One, two, three. Here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Yeah, that's about what it would sound like if McGruff the Crime Dog was also an instructional video person for baseball. McGruff the Crime Dog as a Mansky doing the baseball stuff. We're idiots. I'm sorry that you have to be associated with us for 48 hours. Now, it, where, where is that in your, like, do you remember watching some of those live? Or are you just too young for that? Like, do you recall no, McGruff I as a kid? Yeah, I remember. And then I remember the McGruff the Crime Dog signs being in people's yards uh-huh. and like that programming in school. So I, right. I, rem- I remember both of them. I'm just dumb. <laughs> and I, what I said there is exactly what happened. We were, we were saying Fred McGriff, and he was talking about um, the one dog and the crime dog, and then you said a Mansky, and then I, whoop, and your brain just my did wires got with it. my wires got right. crossed. Was it intended? Again, like here's the thing: we do 20 hours a week live, man. Mm-hmm. There's no editor. <laughs> we, we don't have editors. I mean, in theory, your brain fil- okay, filters. Yeah. I feel a, a poo coming. <laughs> You know, like there was. That's not nice. There was some potential that you. <laughs> I could've... feel a poo coming. It's not nice. It was nicer. The second yeah, time yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not yeah. nice. Um, 
But yeah, so like, you know, these these columnists they do great work. Mm-hmm. Twelve hundred words, maybe at most three times a week. Oh yeah, you know that's right. that's a segment. That's three o'clock at best. Yeah, at best. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like, so yeah, I, come on, we're gonna say some dumb things. And we, we do, and often. we do. Mm-hmm. We churn out a lot of using content. the royal. We. Yeah, no. That's what I that's why I apologize to you. (laughs) Because then you come with us and then we're gonna, you know, include you in our stupidity for a couple Uh, of days. We're gonna take off some of that class that is just Aunt Heron. And then, you know, you'll go on your way and you'll be fine and we'll still be down here in the muck saying dumb things, yelling about poos. Right. Yeah. It's not uh, good. I associate some of those images, you know, people of, of my similar like I'm a few years older than you, so I think I think Fred McGriff and and those instructional videos, I think the Eagle Man commercials, I think the Victory Auto Wreckers commercials, I feel like those were all, correct me if I'm wrong, Teddy, all in that like same time frame where you could tell it was awful, but it was super entertaining how bad they obviously were and the limited production value that went into them. Yeah, I mean, you watch that little Price is Right. You know you're home from school. Exactly. I don't care if they don't change these commercials <laughs> for the past 25 right. years. It's Doesn't fine matter. by me. I'm never going to have a car with doors going to fall off Does like that. Does not matter. As long as you know that he's got something for you. There it is. Here comes the egg. There it is. Mm-hmm. So beautifully done, as always, uh, by Tanny. We were talking a little bit, uh, though, as the start of the Open, off of the conversation in transition and, like, what was reasonable for the White Sox to know. And sometimes I am just kind of blown away by the things that teams miss mm-hmm. um, in the evaluation of these players. Right. Um, and this isn't maybe the the fairest example, but I don't think it's bad. Like, uh, like Laramie Tunsil. Remember when the gas mask bong picture yeah, yeah. came I was, out? I was talking about the gasp in the media workroom when when the name Mitchell Trubisky yeah. got announced. There went like moments, minutes. Before the draft, when that Laramie Tunsil video hit the interwebs, I mean, it was there was a buzz yeah. at the draft when that was going on. And so, just you know, like, did they? Do you think they knew that he smoked pot, and they just didn't know that there was going to be a video that well, came out the of him like, smoking pot? Because the video hadn't been like out there on the internet. No, for weeks. someone the put it out was, there to sabotage. Right. Him. Yeah. They, so that that part is. But but I guess my point is is that like. But do I think they knew he smoked weed? I'm, I'm, I would guess they probably did. Then yeah. why does it? Why should he fall in the draft? He shouldn't have. He but, shouldn't have. Right. But there is that human sort of visceral reaction to, oh lord, look, something shocking has happened on this individual. We're going to spend yeah. millions of dollars on. But, but I guess why? Yeah, sure. Uh, but if these guys are supposed to be dispassionate and they've done all of the research and they know that Laramie Tunsil smokes pot, mm-hmm. and then a video comes out of Laramie Tunsil smoking pot. What did you think smoking pot looked like? Now, maybe it's like the delivery mechanism that you have a huge problem with. But, like, I would guess it wasn't his first time with the gas mask bong. Right. And if you've really done great research, like, oh, he's a, he's a joint on the weekend kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Or, like, no, he's a pothead who takes bong rips to the face. Right. Like, you know, so I don't I, – my. So you were saying that even for you, who was at your ceiling going to be a mid-round right. draft pick – you knew that NFL teams were digging into your background. What, what, what were they? What were they doing? Because right. I think a lot of people are wondering, like, how mad can I be at the White Sox uh, for a one-year, twelve million dollar contract when I certainly didn't know, and uh, the, they, they say they didn't know about the investigation or whatever. And my point is, 
I just don't think that they do as deep of dives as we give them credit for. I think that NFL teams do more Mm -hmm. than anybody else, and I think they certainly do more uh, at the top of the draft. Right. But, man, at some point you got 53 dudes on a roster. You got a practice squad. Like, free agency opens and contracts are signed instantly. You know, there's not – there's going to be hundreds of free agents. You can't do huge deep dives into every single one beyond film and a couple mm. of questions to coaches or, or whatever the case. I'm always blown away in these stories of domestic violence. I know I'm rambling somewhat, like, mm. but they'll be like, uh, did the team reach out to you? Like victim, anonymous victim yeah. or a victim X or right. you know, the wife or the girlfriend or whomever. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. I haven't heard from anybody. It's like, oh, well, then, how deep of a dive are you really doing? They're like, well, we did our due diligence, and uh, we think that he's just, you know, he's apologetic, and he's ready to be an upstanding member of society. Did you ask the victim? No. It's well, like, oh, well, then what the hell are we doing here? Right, and I think some of it ends up being where, you know, a certain situation <laughs> where they don't want to know or they, they want that plausible deniability in certain situations. Yeah. But a lot of that is is often after someone is already a member of the league or a member of an organization. So you're talking about pre-draft the, the, Yeah, the, the pre-draft is, is where definitively the NFL, especially for the guys at the top of the draft board, they do. They put a lot of resources into not only the research of talking to coaches and deep internet dives and – and, you know, at some points, private investigators following guys around and, you know, having very sort of systematic ways they try to probe in the interview process at the combine and at pro days and everything else. I, I know the NFL resources that at a high level, especially towards the top of the draft. And even like you referenced, you know, for me as a guy who like after my junior year in college, I, my draft grade was it's a guy who maybe a mid round pick, maybe fourth round kind of guy. This so what is, were they doing for this you? This is 20 plus years ago. I, me and my parents were getting stuff in the mail just showing like very detailed descriptions of of you know us being like from the Inglewood neighborhood in Chicago has a stable background but like using that as a pejorative for a defensive lineman comes from a a stable home has been spoiled and the you know very individual things like that spoiled. about like yeah like what time frame we move from Inglewood to the Burbs you know how many siblings I have the fact that both parents are in my life what their earning range is for their salaries and all these things it was just really creepy for you know, and again, I wasn't some dude who was viewed as a first round pick. I ended up being an undrafted free agent, and this is twenty plus years ago. So yeah, the the NFL around that draft time, and the thing that's that's changed a little bit is the rookie wage scale, where you're willing to as a team because you know it doesn't cash strap you for the guy at the top of the first round like it used to. Right, Sam Bradford's not getting fifty million dollars, right. or Jamarcus Russell's not getting that for the being the number one pick. Anymore. Yeah, but yeah. even at this point, man, teams teams will at times for for individual players, individual talent who's already on their squad say like, all right, let's let's send a private eye with player X just to see like what exactly is he doing? How hard is he really carousing out there? Like Deshaun Watson, for example. There, there's no way the Houston Texans did not know to some detailed degree, what Deshaun Watson had been involved in and not just getting massages because everyone gets massages. A lot of people choose to disrobe during those massages, but the variety of, of masseuses, massages, or, you know, what is the plural of masseuse? Masseuses. Masseuses? Yeah. The the, the, the variety of masseuses that he was using? It's, uh, no, it's masseuse. <laughs> <laughs> you got more than one masseuse is a masseuse. I, th- I think three masseuse or more is just masseuse. I, th- I think it's like deer, where it goes back to the original phrasing. Of oh. that. I'm not completely sure. Massage therapists. Let's go with that. Well, a variety it, of massage It wouldn't therapists. be like deer because you would never say deers. 
Well, that, that's my point. So when you go masseuse, I think once you get to three or more, it just stays masseuse, not masseuses. See, Ant? Start doing talk radio. Start saying some dumb things. <laughs> right. saying, I, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, they knew about that. Of course so, they I mean, did. You know, that was they, one of the ones that I was thinking of. Like they, were, they asked, hey, uh, the, the Texans contacted any of the alleged victims in the Deshaun Watson case? They they're, they're like, but they no. didn't want to know. It's not because they didn't know what he was involved in. So I think there, there's levels sure. to that where sure. it's one thing in the draft process when you're first going to bring someone in and you're going to make that initial investment. But the Browns Once didn't you've know, invested. But the Browns didn't either. Like when the Browns gave him the $230 million that came out and it was like, hey, did they talk to any they of them? They didn't want to know. That That's different. That's different than just – that's allowing plausible deniability. That's That's willful ignorance. That's not – you know, the, the lack, there's not a lack of a system in place for that. They're choosing to not know that in that case. I Sure. I guess my point is it is still instructive because is it possible that the White Sox just said Mike Clevenger is the best pre- pitcher we can get for $12 million and then they just didn't really care? Yeah. I think that is in play. Mm-hmm. Like You know what I mean? Like, but it's not that they didn't know that he flaunted COVID protocols or that it had been very public that uh, what he did with it, with his ex-wife in terms of philandering. And again, like COVID protocols and cheating is not a, not a reason you can't play professional sports. Yeah. Not, and not an unusual thing in a baseball clubhouse. Mm. Uh, but like, do they know that he didn't had a reputation of not being the best dude? My guess is very strongly. The answer to that is yes. Right. And my guess is also very strongly that they just didn't really care. Mm-hmm. That's a one-year deal, and we hope that he is good. And again, not saying they knew about this allegation. Maybe yeah. they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know that. But just like they they just said, we think of the guys in our price range, this is the dude who has the best chance to get the most outs and the most innings for us, and it, period. And it caused, to me, it caused the entire evaluation, like their process of getting to that decision into question because you do have – this situation that just feels tenuous on its head anyway because the team is underperformed and because the fan base has so much angst in it right now and because you have a first-year manager, then why even take the the risk? However calculated they may feel the risk is, why take the risk on someone who at best you know is a bad dude who hasn't who's rubbed other clubhouses and fan bases the wrong way prior to now and there are plenty of options at least as good as if not better to be your fourth or fifth starter one of them was here last season and is making less then you're going to pay Clevenger than you were going to. I'll, I'll still speak it in the present tense since he's still a member of the club yeah, right now. Yeah, of course. Then you're planning to pay Clevenger. So why? Why is that worth the risk as opposed to other options that were available? I have no good answer to that. Boomer Esiason in 18 minutes coming up next. We had such high hopes for the Bulls, oh, and they fell very short. Honestly, of low expectations <laughs> but the idea of athlete sacrifice next on the score i mean freaking went away from the game plan again yeah okay and you know discipline is the flight of the eagle the reason why we can't fly is because we won't be disciplined you know if i if i'm the leader of that team i don't know who the leader is but if i'm the leader of that team i'm tearing that locker room up okay because we know the freaking formula. Use it. 
Great stuff. Uh, admittedly, I heard this after the fact. I I was the game started when we were here on the air, and then I had some family stuff to do after the show. So I blitzed through that game on DVR by myself, like late night. I did mm. not see it live. I was not following the social media reaction, so I did not watch post game. And but I I wanted you know I was like I want to watch this every dribble of this Bulls game. Because it's this winning stretch. Right. I knew we were going to talk about it. We had talked about the standards for that game. Could they do it back-to-back? Man, good on Kendall Gill. We'll play Will Purdue here in just a second. But I, you hit it, man, yesterday on how it was crazy that Patrick Williams was his first ever double-double with the 18 and 10. Dude had 7 and 5 last night. Right. Yeah. Played 28 minutes. Was just a ghost. Was just running up and down the court. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And that's just one guy. And, and I mean, Levine, right. a disaster dribbling and shooting. The defense in the second half was pathetic. It was, it, you, they could get whatever the hell they wanted on the court and they didn't have their best player. Like it was, it was, it was embarrassing, but like the, the second you want to look at them and say, oh, well, this is a stretch of winnable games. And I want to put a little bit of expectations <laughs> on this team. They just let you down. And the, the expectations is one thing, but there, there's no faith that's possible in in those expectations that they can actually meet them that they can achieve them because they've been so horribly inconsistent at, at every stretch of this season and they've you know for a while it, it just felt like sheer effort at times that was lacking and that even last night it didn't even seem to be a lack of effort that was there but just the the abandonment of of just pure basketball sense, the abandonment of what was happening, what was working in the first half of that game. Once you get into half number two, that was the thing that that Kendall and Will and Jason immediately when they came on after the game. And I've I've been there. Like for we do our Bears post game. Like this past season wasn't as bad, but like sitting there with Lou and Jim and we're, you know, Bears game ends and we come right on afterwards. And 2021 was that season. 2021 was that year. It was like, all right, they still got – they got guys here. There's expectations here, but it's not it's not going well, and, and it's not fun to discuss it afterwards. You're just exasperated to come on the air and discuss it afterwards, and they, that was as exasperated as I've seen them look coming out of a game. Here's Will Purdue last night on the lack of sacrifice. You can't look at the score sheet and be like, we're up 16. I got to get mine before the end of the game. Yeah. You can't do that yeah. because guess what? And Kendall knows this, but what's the one thing you that I that sticks out to me that tells me how fortunate I was to play on the teams that I played on? Because you talked about how when Michael Jordan figured out that it wasn't just about winning, mm-hmm. it wasn't just about scoring points, it was about making the sacrifices in order to win championships, not just games. Yeah, right. And you talked about how. You just you used to watch these games and how you just felt jealous because I'm not on that team. I want to be on that team yeah. because as, as I mean, who in the hell would have ever thought that Michael Jordan would have looked at Steve Kerr and said, "Dude, You're I'm open. coming to you," and yeah. Steve said, "I'll be ready." Right. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I assume you've got some uh, insights into the idea of the athlete sacrificing for the greater good. Here's the thing. Or lack man. thereof. The, the role of Billy Donovan with this ball club, and I, I respect the fact that, that AK and, and Eversley, that they decided, they said, we're going to extend Billy Donovan, we're going to empower him and make sure that these big contracts and these big personalities and these experienced guys with all these pelts on the wall, that they know this is our coach. 
But the same expectations that are being placed on Zach Levine to show up every night, whether it's been with his bum knee last year, his bum finger now, and, you know, if he's going to shoot and miss a bunch of threes, then you know what? Then he's making an error in judgment until he starts making his three-pointers. And if Vooch isn't calling for the ball, demanding it in the post, then we can look at Vooch with that harsh glare of expectation because he's been paid and he's been an all-star and he's very gifted. Billy Donovan is supposedly a very gifted leader. He is supposedly a guy who is a very talented and accomplished coach in the NBA. So as much expectation as we can, we should, and I, I do feel like DeMar DeRozan, I feel like Debo gets a bit of a pass sometimes because he's a great finisher and because he came with a certain level of expectation, frankly, that he's exceeded here in Chicago. He just hasn't been the problem. He has been a problem. De- DeRozan? Yes. What, what do you mean he hasn't been the problem? He is one of the problems that they have. He's not an exceptional defender. He doesn't. He, he goes ISO in situations where they shouldn't be going ISO. He is one of the problems that the Bulls possess. He's not the biggest problem, no, well, but and he especially is definitely ter- a problem. Well, I mean, and in terms of we were talking about like leadership and accountability. I mean, he's bringing Patrick Williams out to his place in L.A. in the offseason well, yeah. to, to do the two-a-day workouts. But execution matters, too. I no, love no, and, that. I mean, he had, what, 33 last night? I mean, he was like the, one of the only dudes who showed up. I, I, I hear what you're saying. The 33 isn't the only way he's allowed to show up, Danny. Like yeah, when, sure. when, when Zach Levine, when Zach Levine scores 33, there's a bunch of other questions about what he did distributing the basketball, what he did on defense, how many turnovers he had. DeMar DeRozan gets to skate on that far more frequently than Zach does. And I'm not saying we shouldn't blame Zach for some of that, but DeMar DeRozan deserves blame too, but his expectations are different. DeMar DeRozan got signed here, and everybody assumed that DeMar DeRozan was on the back end of his career. We weren't going to get a whole lot of him, and he's definitely not going to be a max guy, so it doesn't really matter. And then he played for a stretch last season that's MVP level, and he shows up hard late in games. But DeMar DeRozan is a very imperfect basketball player, and he is the best player on the Bulls, the most consistently productive guy on the Bulls, but he is not blameless in this either. All those guys can share it, and Billy Donovan should share in that blame as well. I completely agree about the Donovan point. The DeRozan thing, dude, it's just not a two-way player, man. He can't make himself into a two-way player. He's not a good enough athlete. If He's too old. He's just not. Like I, 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 can, I can ask my Camry to go faster, but it just can, it can only do so many things. How, you know, like, he's not a good defensive player. I agree. He's not a good defensive player. <laughs> like, Nikola Vucevic isn't a good defensive player. Zach Levine and isn't a good defensive player. Yes. Yeah. So AK shouldn't get off the hook for that. Like, oh, he doesn't. We, he doesn't. We focus on Zach Levine at a far enhanced manner than we do everyone else is I my agree. point. Like Zach Levine shouldn't get off the hook, but neither should DeRozan. The expectations are so different where right now DeRozan has been the best player on the Bulls, but frankly, the best pure basketball player is probably Vooch. If not, but nobody Caruso. else realizes it. So we will talk. We'll get back to this. This is very spirited and heron. Fired up. I love it. I've just, my Bulls spirit is dead. And that's the, oh, we got to fight. No, there's no fight. I just, I like, this team just doesn't deserve you to get mad, man. They are pathetic across the board. <laughs> Boomer Esiason. It's been a while since we talked to him, but we're going to talk to him ahead of an awesome slate of games championship Sunday. Next on the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.